Welcome to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. Good afternoon, fans. I'm uh, Paul Bruno coming to you from Southern Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, as always, is AJ Scholes, a great follow at AJ Scholes24, based in another hockey mad area in the U.S., specifically Sun Perry, Wisconsin. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. And partner, it looks like the weather map is showing that we are both facing snowstorms today. I explained to you before we got off the air. We got on the air that I'm going to be going to the hockey game tonight in Toronto, and uh, entertaining guests. So I got to get there early, and uh, I might leave two hours early today because it looks like it's really coming down over here. But uh, I hope the weather's better by you. But I don't think so. No, no, we got uh, we got the full on uh, school cancellations, all that all that jazz right now. So. Uh, if a tiny human pops into the camera frame or uh, at some point, uh, we'll try and uh, shove them out as quick as possible. But uh... I might like to ask some questions, so we'll, we'll see how that works out. But uh, AJ, we have some interesting topics to discuss right off the top, and I want to get right into them. I mean, the first one that's close to home for me is Willie Nylander signing a, a contract for the next eight years at an 11.5 AAV. Now, on the one hand, I'm pleased that they lock this guy up for eight years. It's He's the first Leaf of the uh, trio of Marner and Matthews to commit to a long-term deal in Toronto. The other two guys uh, have maxed out at five years, I guess, and uh, Marner's deal is coming due next year, and uh, Tavares as well, for that matter. So a lot of movement in the Toronto salary cap situation, coming at a good time when the cap will expect it to rise uh, over the next few seasons, but... It's the largest total dollar contract in Maple Leafs history. And uh, if, if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that this guy was going to get 11.5 AAV over eight years, I'd have thought you were nuts. But the <laughs> way he's playing right now, he's looking good for that because he's in, easily in the top 10 scorers in the league and has two of the longest consecutive game scoring streaks so far this season. That seems like he's coming into his own at the right time for him in a contract year. What say you as an outsider for, about this deal? Yeah, I mean, in in uh, in a vacuum, I think it's a great deal. No reason not to lock him up long term. Uh, he doesn't jump Matthews, nor should he in terms of you know annual value. Um, so in a in a vacuum, I like the deal. The question is, what does this mean for Toronto next season? Yeah, I know what you said, Paul. We we all have heard the cap's going to jump significantly. After several years of it just maybe going up by a million, pretty much stagnant. But if you look at the numbers next year, they're going to have 46 million of the cap dedicated to four players. So, you know, you have to wonder uh, probably mostly about John Tavares, what his long term situation is there. Will they try to trade him? He's obviously the oldest of, of the kind of four pack of guys that are going to cost that much money. Um, you know, you're not. Probably even if even if Martin Jones has a really good year, um, he's going to need a new contract next year. You're not getting away with paying 1.7 million to your two goaltenders next season. Um, so so that's obviously you know a factor there. If Samsonov is back up, he's going to cost more money than than what they've got. So there's a lot of questions uh, heading into next year about how this sets them up. But in a vacuum, as it's as it's you know its own deal. I think it's worth it. It uh, looks like he'll probably knock on wood. I don't want to jinx you, Paul, but he should probably hit 100 this year in terms of points. 
Um, so I like the deal in and of itself. It's just questions come up as to what the future holds after that. Yeah, well, you mentioned a couple of points. First, I'll remind our listeners that John Tavares' contract is a full no-movement clause, so unless he relents on that, he will be a Leaf through next season, and he's already said he's not wanting to go anywhere. And there are rumblings that in his next deal, he would take a significant haircut. That remains to be seen, but uh, he will not be able to get command $11 million in his next negotiation with the club. And now that he's entering his uh, 30s, he's been... He's probably going to be about 33 by the time that contract winds up next year. So I expect that they could get him for less. And there's some significant money coming off the books with the Brody contract coming off, a Domi contract, and uh, the winger Bertuzzi coming off the books. I mean, they might want to sign a couple of those guys too, but hopefully uh, they get some team-friendly stuff going on at some point or somewhere in this roster. Uh, certainly TJ Brody's deal, $5 million, will afford them some flexibility, but you'd think they'd need to get another top-flight defender in, and it might cost just that kind of money. So the shoehorn might be applicable in terms of the, uh, managing the salary cap for the Maple Leafs next year, but following that year, it should be a little bit easier. The other issue, uh, AJ, I want to discuss, and uh, this could be a trendsetter, Cutter Gauthier, who has yet to play a game in the NHL, was traded by, by the Philadelphia Flyers. His rights were traded to Anaheim for Jamie Drysdale and a second-round pick in 2025. Now, Jamie Drysdale is an up-and-coming defenseman with some offensive chops that should really help the Flyers situation. But Cutter Gauthier was a star in the recently completed World Junior Hockey Championships. And I'm surprised he didn't open with that salvo because the U.S. <laughs> and Cutter Gauthier was a star in the, in the event. And yet he can, comes out now and he says, I don't want to play in Philadelphia. I don't know if you blame him, but uh, they, they look like a pretty solid team this year. And he might have looked good in that roster. But nonetheless, the overarching issue is we got a young player who's yet to play in the late league trying to dictate where he wants to play to a certain extent. And he'd rather go to Anaheim, which has another core of young players. They're not having the success the Flyers are this year. But uh, we will probably not find out exactly why Cutter Gauthier doesn't want to play in Philadelphia. But it's uh, possibly a trend-setting move. And I wonder why we haven't seen more of this, AJ. Yeah, we were talking beforehand. You know, it's really uh, for guys that get get drafted like this. It's it's pretty much their only, you know, only option uh, as far as leverage. There's there's only so much time from when they're drafted until um, their their rights are are no longer held by the team, uh, and that that was coming up here for for Gautier. So yeah, something to to consider. Uh, and and think about into the future. Other guys could make similar demands, um, you know, and I think it's within their right to do as far as, you know, why would he want to move? Uh, you know, there's been a ton of speculation. I won't get into to some of it, um, but you can't blame him for potentially wanting to link up with that Anaheim group. I mean, there's a bunch of young young up and coming guys in that roster um, that could really gel well together and build long-term into the future. Uh, not that there aren't in, in Philadelphia, you know, but Philadelphia in the grand scheme of things, an older team than Anaheim in terms of what the future looks like. I mean, you've still got Sean Couturier, Cam Atkinson on this roster. Um, you know, they, they do have young goaltenders in Carter Hart. So uh, you're right, Paul. I don't think we'll ever, totally hear why uh why he didn't want to uh but Anaheim seems like a good fit uh so you know hard to hard to blame him to want to go there and, and link up with that other young talent 
But do you really think that we're going to... I have a feeling we're going to see a couple of players try this same tactic to, to get to a team that they'd rather play for, AJ. And I want to spend a minute just getting your response on that. Do you think this could be the first of a few similar circumstances that we see where young bucks come out and say, I don't want to play here, I want to play there, and they kind of dictate some movement before they even set foot on an NHL ice surface? It's definitely possible. I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't. Um, like I said, it's their, it's really their only leverage. And if you've, if you've got the ability to dictate that, you know, obviously if you're a seventh round pick, you don't, you don't have any say in this, right? <laughs> you're just going to be like, fine, go whatever. But you know, first, second round pick, uh, I, th I think it's your, it's your one leverage point And uh, you know, you can, uh, it's within the rules of the NHL and how, you know, contracts and rights, player rights expire. So why not take advantage of it if it's your option? Yeah, I'm just concerned for the the parity in the league or the opportunity rather for teams to improve their lot by getting a top flight talent uh, near the top of the draft to change their trajectory. Look at what Chicago is hoping for with Connor Bedard in their lineup. Can you imagine if he said, I want to play in, in Edmonton or Toronto instead, and Chicago might wallow in the bottom of the standings if a few other top players turn their noses up in such circumstances. It hasn't happened as a rule yet in the NHL's history, except for Eric Lindros. But I just wonder, with this situation with Gauthier, if it's uh, a line in the sand that some other youngsters might want to cross. So uh, we'll see. It. Say, the, the only thing I'd say to that, Paul, is that, you know, let's not forget that they it's not like he just told Philadelphia, I'm not signing and left, right? Yeah. Like, they're getting a very young, up-and-coming defenseman who's got some offensive talent, like, the, the Flyers are getting a good piece here. So as far as the parity goes, like, could you imagine the haul Chicago could have gotten if they had traded Bedard, like the first overall pick? If he was like, I'm not coming to Chicago. Well, the 31 other teams are all going to want him. No right? question. And so no question. the the haul is still going to be there uh, if he had if he had done something like that. Yeah, so, maybe maybe that's a saving grace, AJ. I'm glad you brought that perspective up because certainly in the even in the Lindros circumstances – they got uh, Peter Forsberg out of the deal in Colorado, and that worked out pretty well for them. So <laughs> so uh, a good point by you, uh, but just an interesting circumstance that I thought we could discuss and have some fun with. And I, I certainly appreciate your perspective on that, and I hope we, we cause some food for thought for some of our listeners. But uh, without further ado, let's get into the nuts and bolts of what we do on a regular basis, and that is give uh, our fantasy owners a chance to find players who might improve their team situations as we approach the midpoint of the season. We see a whole new cast of characters at the top of the list of players who had hot weeks last week. And uh, why don't you dive us into the top end and see what you think about some of the guys who performed well in the last seven days? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're again, we're looking at the, the lesser owned players. You know, we're not necessarily going to talk about you know, Matthew Tichuk had eight points in, in his last three games. Carter Verhage had seven. Um, those guys probably owned in your league, right? <laughs> Unlikely to, to find them. Um, I, we should maybe look that up if we have a second here, Paul. Verhage maybe would be a little bit lower than, say, Tichuk or, or mm -hmm. McKinnon. So, sure, sure. Um, But overall, in terms of those lower percentage owned guys, the top of the board, Jonathan Druin for Colorado, uh, four goals, one assist. Uh, hard to you know hard to argue with why he's he's up at at the top of this list he's getting right now that first line assignment with Nathan McKinnon Miko Rantanen uh the one caveat on this uh, you know I I think maybe you consider jumping on him 
But it does look like Arturi Lekkanen is slowly working his way back. Um, he's probably not more than a week away from returning. I'm, I'm kind of just guessing, but he's been at practice uh, in, in full contact. And so when Lekkanen comes back, you could see Druin drop down the lineup. So just kind of a, a word of caution on that. Colin Blackwell, uh, we have at 0% ownership uh, for, for Chicago, comes in three goals, one assist. Another player, he's getting first-line assignments with uh, Philip Kurashev. Uh, had a, a three-point game against Calgary uh, over the weekend. Again, you know, this is uh, injury-dependent. You've got Batard, John, Tyler Johnson, Andreas Athanasiu, Anthony Bolivia, Taylor Hall, Nick Felino now, all on IR, Joey Anderson. Um, so Blackwell is going to get some more opportunities. And I don't think this is necessarily a short look here. I, I think we'll see... Blackwell playing top six minutes for a little while here. Uh, obviously, playing with Bedard would be better, but Jason Dickinson, no slouch either there. So those are the names right at the top. I, I won't keep going, Paul, with the, the top of the list here, but uh, I do like the potential uh, Colin Blackwell pickup. I think his lead in a top six role is going to be a little bit longer here. Paul, what about you? Some other names off the top. Well, the next one on the list is for a fourth uh, highest Point total last week is Vladimir Vladislav Nemestnikov at Winnipeg. He's a two-position player. We like to point that out when it has value in your leagues and your flexibility is offered there. He's top getting top six minutes for a team that's at, right at the top of the overall NHL standings with a six-point week under his belt. You got to be smiling like the butcher's dog because Ricard Raquel makes this list. Maybe you were expecting him to be on it uh, or only for a little while this season. He's owned in 41% of leagues. But he's playing very well right now for your favorite club, uh, which is on the rise. Uh, he's got nine shots on goal, four points in the past week. So he's doing what he, he needs to do for this club. And uh, I think that's a, a big bonus for them and uh, that the veteran is starting to perform. And uh, beyond that, uh, Jonathan Huberdeau uh, appears on this list, AJ, uh, as a guy with some upward trajectory. Finally, we know all about the big contract that he signed uh, a couple of years ago when he joined Calgary, but he has really had a tough time getting some traction. We are happy to report for his sake that uh, that is coming to pass right now. And so he is a, a viable option if you're looking for help. I think Calgary's situation is improving and uh, he is a central figure that should be expected to produce regular scoring and build on that four-point week. Uh, there's some more names we want to go through here, AJ. I'll throw one out before I give it back to you. That's Morgan Geeky in Boston. The Bruins are not rolling along as we we have seen them for much of the season, but he is now in a nice situation playing first-line minutes, and he's a very cheap option in fantasy play too, more often than not. Another two-position guy who's coming off of another four-point week, and he's been scoring very regularly since he's been able to play with some of the big boys on the Bruins' power play. Well, one name I'll mention real quick since I sort of already did. Jason Dickinson on our list here as well, 7% owned. Uh, as I mentioned, he's currently in that first-line center role uh, with all the injuries that Chicago has right now. So expect him to kind of hang out there uh, for a little while longer. One other name to toss out, uh, I know they've been uh, down a little bit lately, but uh, Mikael Backlund of, uh, of Calgary, uh, having a, a ton of shots right now. So again, this is one where um, if you're in a league that doesn't really use shots or it's kind of a lesser category, maybe not so much. He is on a four game goal uh, drought right now, 
But during that goal drought, he's got 15 shots on net, uh, two assists over that stretch. So if shots help you, here's a player to target. We have him owned in only about 29% of leagues. Uh, so he should be available and out there if you need some shot help. And again, you know, I'm not as worried about the slump because of the shot totals. Uh, if, you know, when a guy's slumping and he's getting one, two, couple zeros in there, then I get a little more concerned. But you have a guy seven shots against Nashville, uh, five shots against Chicago, just hasn't had one go in. It's going to happen eventually. Uh, so that's a player to think about there. Another one I, I will toss out uh, that has gotten some different roles recently is Pius Sutter. Uh, comes in right now we have him second line center there was a point last week where he did move up to uh, a top line role but either way he's playing top six for Vancouver right now one uh, percent owned so pretty low ownership there he uh, missed a, a big chunk of time missed 14 games from about mid-November to mid-December but since that uh, injury return you've got four goals four assists in his last 11 games 17 shots, I would prefer it to be in the low 20s, 22, 23, somewhere in there. Um, but decent enough numbers that I think if you need some center help, he's somebody to look at getting that top six assignment right now. AJ, the pickings are a little slimmer when it comes to defensemen that are available in most leagues uh, at this stage in the season. They've been picked over pretty well in the last few weeks. And uh, there are a few names to discuss. I'll lead off with the talk of Neil Pionk. He's a guy who gets power play time and and about 20 minutes a game in Winnipeg. I said already that they've climbed to the top of the overall standings. He's a guy also that, in addition to the three points he got last week, plays a physical game, and in addition to the eight shots on goal, 15 hits and six blocks, if that helps you, and it certainly does in some of the leagues that I play in, so I look for those columns as well. Brock Favors getting more of a run in Minnesota with some of the injuries on their back end, and he has some offensive upside, playing up to upwards of 26 minutes a game, leading all available defensemen in that category on our list today and uh, coming off a three-point week based on 10 shots on goal and eight blocks as well. And I'll give one more name, a back to Boston we go. Hampus Lindholm has not really been uh, front and center in the Boston situation because they've got a couple other guys that carry more, most of the offensive mail there. But he comes off, comes off a four-point week, and he's had the ability to produce 40-point seasons in his career. So maybe he's ready to roll in another one. Uh, he's also a physical player. Uh, sorry, he blocked some shots with four last week and only four shots on goal, but he did set up four offensive uh, thrust for the Bruins that resulted in uh, in goal scoring. So uh, uh, a couple of guys to consider on the back end. As I said, there's not a ton of them, AJ, but are there any others that you want to highlight here? Yeah, I think, you know, you uh, have to consider uh, even some of the guys that are on, you know, the lesser teams right now uh, that are getting looks in, in prominent roles. And so um, one player to, to note here is uh, Ty Emerson. Uh, missed uh, a good chunk of time again, uh, most of December, but he's got three assists in his last three games. He's getting some shots on goal. Not really a lot of power play minutes for him, but he's on the top pairing right now alongside Mario Ferrara, uh, whose name also shows up on this list, just 5% owned. Uh, if I'm picking between the two, I prefer Emerson, but Fiaro does get some power play minutes uh, and, and, you know, gets some some action on that. So both those guys, I think just because they're on San Jose, 
not necessarily willing to just completely write them off right now. Uh, I think they're worth uh, taking a look at. One other player I'll mention over in Washington, Martin Fairberry, is getting uh, some opportunities there as well. He's on that top pairing with John Carlson. Uh, so obviously that's, you know, that's a little bit of a concern because he has to play slightly more defensively playing alongside Carlson. But I do think it sets him up to potentially get some some more assists, stuff like that. Uh, one thing to note with Washington, and, and we could get into this later, but Rasmus Sandin dealing with an upper body injury. So that could open up some minutes uh, with with a power play unit that maybe they'll stick Fairberry on there. I, I haven't seen those combinations yet, but just something to watch out for. Um, who gets the, that assignment with, uh, you know, potentially with Rasmus Sandin missing time. And there's two players who are on very good teams who are in situations where they might take advantage of injured teammates. Colin Miller over in New Jersey. We know that Dougie Hamilton, his season might be, regular season might be done with his, his uh, serious injury situation that's got him sidelined. Uh, Colin Miller is getting some run. He's playing only 15 minutes a game, but a lot of that is power play time too. 26 uh, fantasy points based on two goals and one helper last week. He has the booming shot and he unleashed it for eight shots on goal last week. So that's one guy to target this week. And then Darren Radish over in Tampa is a, a viable option to consider. He's playing almost 22 minutes a game, two goals on the slate for him last week on only four shots. But he is relevant now because Mikhail Sergachev is sidelined for that club. So some issues on the blue line for these two clubs causes uh, some lesser known names to be considered among defensemen options aj unless you have another name or two to throw out i'll let you lead us into the goalie talk yeah moving over to the net miners uh not surprising that the top of the board here is is lucas dostal uh for for anaheim he's been kind of they've been splitting him and uh john gibson lately uh, so he's getting opportunities uh no wins this last week but uh Faced a decent amount of shots, especially Toronto. Your your boys put uh, 57 up on him, and he only gave up uh, only gave up two, yeah. uh, including in overtime. So good performance by him. A lot of shot volume there. So again, that's another one. Look at your league. Like if the shot volume is there and the goals allowed isn't too high, uh, and you know if the wins aren't super valuable, maybe consider uh, taking a look at him. Uh, Arvid Soderblom is another name to consider with Chicago. Again, probably don't want to be in a league that's going to be a lot of wins, um, but he's been getting some more opportunities. He's still giving up a decent amount of goals, but we've been seeing him play a little bit more. Um, and then one other name to toss out there, Paul's favorite guy, big save Dave Riddich, uh, is going to get some time with Los Angeles following an injury to Phoenix Copley who is done for the season. So now David Riddich is going to be the backup there. Uh, I don't see him surpassing Cam Talbot, but obviously uh, Riddich will see some opportunities after having been in the minors. And of course, I'll mention Alex Nedeljkovic for the Penguins. Uh, they've pretty much gotten to the point now where they're going almost every other with Nedeljkovic and Jari. Uh, one could very much argue that Nedeljkovic has looked better of late. You look at his last four appearances, he gave up just one goal in three of those games. Uh, did give up five goals to Boston, but fortunately his offense put up six, so he still got the win in that one. Uh, so some really good numbers from Nadelkovich to at least probably be pretty much an even share 
for the Penguins right now. But as they continue to try and climb uh, up in the in this super tight metro, they may not have the ability to play 50-50 on the goalies if, if Jari continues to be even mediocre at this point. Nedeljkovic is playing that well. AJ, I wonder, uh, looking ahead, the pit, trade deadline's a couple of months away, and uh, Pittsburgh wants to take a real crack at, at a nice playoff run. They're looking good right now, but do they need two goalies uh, to be playing uh, at the top of their game as they are right now, or can they afford to dangle Nedeljkovic, who would be a real good acquisition for a team looking for help in the Nets? Oh, that is such a tough question, Paul. The I'm going to land on that they probably need both guys, and and their most recent success runs in the postseason, uh, going all the way back to 16 and 17, they had both Flurry uh, and Matt Murray at the time. So they used both guys. And that's when they've had the, the most success uh, of late. And so I do think they probably will consider carrying both guys beyond the trade deadline. Um, now, if things go south and it looks like they're maybe not going to make the playoffs, I do think they could consider seeing uh, what they would get uh, for, for Nedeljkovic out on the open market there. And you know what? There's a situation similar to that in Philadelphia, but I think they're quite happy with the returns on Carter Hart and Samuel Ersom right now. So that's a team that I could see running with a two-goalie situation. We'll talk about some of the other goalie circumstances a little later on in the show in terms of the upcoming trade deadline. So I want to save some bullets for that and uh, jump us into a discussion, AJ, on the, in terms of the most added players in the NHL this past week and in the Yahoo League specifically. That's one of the sources that we look at there. Topping this list is another goalie, and that's Sam, uh, Joey Decord in Seattle. His ownership bumped by 16% last week. I'm not sure it's merited based on the fact that I don't think very highly of the Seattle club, uh, the way they're going uh, this season, but there it is, the jump of, of 24% leading the pack. Right behind him is Blake Coleman, a, a forward in Calgary. Uh, their their fortunes rely on this guy as a, a key part of their top six, and, and he's showing it, and uh, it's reflected in a 17.2 jump in ownership. Gustav Nyquist, who uh, a couple of years ago was a leading scorer in, uh, in another situation for him earlier in his career, has refound his offensive game a little bit of late, and Nyquist is... Uh, helping the Nashville offense out significantly. And we've seen a 14%, 14.6% jump in ownership. And as you might expect, Martin Jones ownership in Toronto situation with the way he's played, particularly on that trip through California with three wins and only two goals against his ownership jumped from 8.9% to 23%. And it looks like he's going to carry the role for uh, at least another three or four weeks. So a good run uh, is expected from him in that regard. And I could see a spike continuing in, in that way for him. Take us through another few names on that list, AJ, if you would. Well, I'm going to mention real quick, uh, just happened to check my league since we were talking about it and Nadelkovich was available. So I just submitted that claim uh, while you were talking here, Paul, and got uh, Nadelkovich <laughs> submitted for, <laughs> for a claim in, in my league here. So, um, yeah, looking at the rest of this list, um, you know, uh, some obvious ones here. Jonathan Druin, uh, who we talked about earlier, is going up uh, about 5%. Ricard Raquel saw a 3 3 to 4% bump. Uh, one that is uh, on this list, and, and I would jump on him based on this overall ownership uh, percentage here, is Max Pacioretty is back with Washington, made his season debut, uh, just one assist so far in three games, 
But according to these numbers, we have just uh, just 11.5% right now. I would really consider jumping on that if, if he's available. Um, like I said, just back from injury. So obviously it's going to take a little bit before he gets there. I'm looking at Yahoo uh, currently is 28%. So there should be plenty of you out there that uh, should have an opportunity. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially uh, with news today that Tom Wilson is day-to-day with an upper body injury. I think that could potentially be a chance for Pacioretty to move up with Kuznetsov and in, in Ovechkin. But even if he's on the second line with Strom, I think it's a good spot for him to be in. So uh, Max Pacioretty, Ricard Raquel, two names I would definitely consider jumping on if they're available in your league. Uh, Brian Russ, another one, again, back from injury. We saw about a four point, uh, 4% jump on him. Two assists in his four games back, uh, nine shots, no no goals yet. But, of course, he plays on that second line with Evgeny Malkin, and so it's easy to fall into an assist at that point. So a couple guys back from injury uh, in, in that in that stretch there that would be worth uh, jumping on that we saw uh, those increases are already starting. Yeah, and I'll mention one guy who should take advantage of yet another injury circumstance that we'll touch on a bit. Miro Heiskanen is out week to week, it looks like, in Dallas. And so they're looking for a new linchpin on their power play from the back end. And that role will likely fall to Thomas Harley, whose ownership spiked by 3.8%. He's got nine goals already on the season. And he has been uh, featured sometimes on maybe the second power play unit. He's going to get a run on the first one, though, it looks like, and could build on those numbers. And with his offensive upside and the mix of high-end players in Dallas's power play, that could be a real good situation if you're looking to add him. Stuart Skinner picking up a hat, a mitt full of victories in the Edmonton goal as they seem to be rolling along right now, is, is become a viable option again. His ownership is up to 64%, but if you're talking about a team that has some upward mobility in the standings and seems to have their act, their act together, at least offensively, and they're getting putting a lid on the defense a little bit uh, too in terms of what they allow, that 5.1% jump in ownership could be duplicated in the next couple of weeks uh, for him. And then there's a couple of tough and rugged Bruin wingers. I mentioned they're not really at the top of the game as a, as a club, but DeBrusque and Frederick are players that they give a lot of... Uh, credence to in terms of the next wave of Boston talent and certainly they've each had runs in the top six. Uh, Rebrusque is there right now and Frederick uh, threatens it from time to time so their ownership is very low and they should see a bump there. Dawson Mercer has been a guy who's been around the New Jersey top six. They should be one of the top teams in the league and he's a pretty gifted scorer so that's another player to keep an eye on and i'll mention in toronto got to throw a leaf name out there once in a while timothy lilligren on the leaf blue line he's a guy with some offensive chops too and he gets a look on the second power play from time to time and as well as getting a regular shift with some of the big boys in their top six uh, up front so he could fall into points very easily the carolina goaltending situation has been murky all season but Pyotr kachekov has emerged as the go-to option and yet his ownership is less than 50%, AJ. And I'm surprised by that because I jumped on this train earlier uh, last month and he's been recording uh, re- wins with great regularity. And uh, the save percentage has been pretty good in the last few weeks too. So uh, he gives that team uh, a chance to to keep a lid on the goals against. And the way their offense and their overall system works, uh, they can keep a lid on shots against uh, with the best of them. And so Kochetkov, could receive for a number of win, wins in the near future. Um, 
one more name in uh, in terms of the Dallas situation, Mason Marchmont, a really good, a guy that I really like. His ownership's only 11.3% or something like that on the season. And so 13.5%, uh, I should say. It spiked by 6.5%. And he's a guy who could work well uh, as a top six forward, digging out the puck, playing a, kind of a, like a Todd Bertuzzi role, in a Tyler Bertuzzi role in Toronto. These are guys that are useful enough and uh, rugged enough to play with with the skill sets that they bring to support the the gifted goal scorers as they get the puck and set them up and uh, get the dirty goals in front of the net both these guys very capable in that regard so that's uh, that's our look at uh, the top options in terms of building up your rosters we'll uh, take a break right now but when we come back we'll we'll take you through uh, so a lot of injury news the most dropped players and then a look at our uh, draft suggestions and dfs play later tonight in a 10-game slate. You're listening to the podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back right We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline after these messages. We're back. You're listening to the podcast with Statsman and AJ, and we'll turn our attention to a very lengthy injury list. And uh, it's highlighted by a lot of players that you should be dropping in your pools. But there, beyond that, there are some players on currently on the injury list 
who are going to be making a return in the near future. So we'll try and touch on that as well. Some good news to report in circumstances there. AJ, why don't you lead us off in a look at some of the names that caught your eye on this list? Yeah, well, we'll start with the biggest news that came out this last week. Connor Bedard suffering a fractured jaw. He's headed for injured reserve, going to have him out for a while. And as I mentioned, this is just the latest blow to the Chicago forward group. Uh, again, Felino, Bolivier, Hall, Johnson, Athanasiu, Radish, Anderson, uh, Seth Jones on the back end. Uh, so just a, just a ton of injured players for, for Chicago right now. This is a team that we didn't really expect uh, to be very good. So, um, you know, it's not going to really affect how they finish in the standings. But, yeah, a lot of injured players. But that's also an opportunity uh, for, you know, finding season-long pickups, uh, DFS pickups especially. Uh, You know, one way to do that is to head over to rotowire.com. Check out our depth charts on, uh, on the site. You can see who's playing in what roles. We've got five-on-five depth charts. We also have uh, power play depth charts. Who's getting assignments on the number one, number two power play units? All that information is going to be huge for teams like this that have a ton of injuries. If you want to try out the site, of course, rotowire.com slash pod slash pod. Get that 48-hour trial. Check out the site. Going on to another team with uh, just seems to be piling up injuries. That seems to be a theme right now. If you got one injured guy, you got a ton of injured guys. Mm-hmm. Just this morning, Jonas Siegenthaler for uh, the Devils was placed on injured reserve. He suffered a broken foot. He's expected to be out through probably the All-Star break. But they've also got Dougie Hamilton is on IR. Timo Meyer is on IR. Um, Jack Hughes is dealing with uh, an injury as well. He did not play. Uh, Saturday, they're still evaluating his status there. Andre Palat is another player. He's expected to miss some time due to injury. So things piling up for the Devils as well. And, uh, you know, again, you've got Nathan Bastion in a top six role. Dawson Mercer as the first line center. Uh, kind of a restructured uh, uh, assignment there. So a lot of teams really banged up right now, uh, dealing with a, a, a a bevy of injuries. And so that's opening up opportunities for other guys. I'll mention also Minnesota, Kirill Kaprasov is out. Jared Spurgeon is out. Jonas Brodin is still out. Philip Gustafson is out. Uh, and so, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury has been playing more, more minutes uh, because of the Gustafson in- injury. Jesper Wallstedt was called up 21 year old Swede called up to serve as the number two. So he could get a game or two uh, if they, you know, if they have a back-to-back on the schedule, uh, they have one this weekend, Friday, Saturday, back-to-back, you could see Wallstead get an opportunity to play. Um, so again, teams with a lot of injury, uh, it's it's obviously a downside as a fan. You, you hate to see that, but as a fantasy player, there's opportunities to capitalize. Uh, you just have to know the right players. AJ, you mentioned the resource of the, the lineups uh, that we set at Rotowire and the depth charts that we have. They're updated daily, and some of, the, some of them contain some good news, actually, and that's why I mentioned that as a tease in the opener of this segment. I want to touch on a few of those. Aiden I'll Hill. be the bad guy, Paul. You be the good guy. So I love bad, wearing Bad cop, good cop. <laughs> I love wearing the white cowboy hat. And uh, Aiden Hill with Vegas is back at practice. The goaltender is uh, looking forward to a potential return next week, so that's very good news for a club that's really been trying to get through 
his absence and uh, they will welcome him back i'm sure to bolster their goaltending situation and uh, another guy that's that's on the horizon is victor arvidson he hasn't played yet this year but he's looking at a a mid-February return. If you have opportunity to stash a guy in injured reserve, this guy's going to immediately take a top six role with one of the teams, the league's uh, best-looking clubs in the Western Conference. So he'll fit in very seamlessly when he is back uh, in play. And a real good field stories on the horizon in Calgary. Oliver Shillington missed last season, all of last season, and uh, most of this season so far with uh, mental health issues. And he's been very open about uh, his his uh, situation uh, most, most recently. And he's been back on the ice with the club. He says he's feeling better than he has in a long, long time. Seems to have things in order in terms of what's been keeping him out for this whole length of time. So that'll be something that I'm looking forward to because this guy has been through a, a lot and he will bring a lot to the table for Calgary and possibly take on uh, a very key role in terms of the offense for the back end. That was what he... It was his calling card before he was felled by this issue. So I'm really looking forward to his return, and it's potentially going to happen around the end of January. So something to look forward to in terms of a real good feel-good story. Uh, more negative news, unfortunately, comes on this list where we look at Mikhail Sergachev, who was initially on the IR for Tampa. This is a team that's struggling to stay with some of the other heavyweights in the Atlantic Division, but they're falling by the wayside because uh, part and parcel of, of that is Mikhail Sergachev's injury. He's now moved to the LTIR instead of just the IR with a lower body injury. So that's really putting pressure on a Tampa defense that's been challenged for much of the season. Their whole defensive structure has been challenged with the fact that they were without uh, their top goalie, Vasilevsky. And uh, now that he's back in tow, they lose a top defender. So they just can't catch a break on the back end in Tampa right now. And that's tough news for them. I mentioned Miro Heiskanen, the flagship uh, bearer, the flag bearer on the defense for Dallas. He is a guy that's going to be missing week to week going forward. So that's a terrible blow for, for people that own him in, in pools. It's not unlike the maybe the Dougie Hamilton situation in New Jersey. is the worst defense, the, the injury on the blue line. But I think Heiskanen gets the silver medal in that uh, awful situation that he's dealing with. He'll be out week to week with the lower body hurt that we touched on. So uh, a couple of short-term issues in Carolina, another team that's been dogged by a couple of hurts most recently. Top six forward Martin Netzcash uh, with an upper body injury missing the last two games. We're not sure when he's going to be coming back. It doesn't look like a long-term situation, but a tough blow for them. And it's magnified by Jesper Fast missing with a similar hurt over the last three games. So one of the teams that was supposed to be at the top of the standings uh, this season, they've struggled a little bit more than expected. And the fact that these two guys are out is not going to help them. AJ, you got a couple more names that you want to talk about on this list? Most dropped maybe or or uh, other injury news? Yeah, let's take a look at the the most drop list, see if anybody stands out here. Uh, the obvious one, Ilya Samsonov sent down uh, to the minors uh, to kind of reset, get his game right. They gave him, basically they were, last I saw, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, but they were going to give him like basically a week completely yeah. off. He wasn't going to even uh, suit up with the Marlies and then come back, link up with the Marlies. So not unsurprising if you figure a week off, maybe another week-ish. Uh, so he's, you know, two weeks before he would even potentially be brought back to, to Toronto. And if they do, does he get games over Marty Jones? So I get the the 6% drop uh, for him there. 
Uh, Gabe Velarde, a little bit surprising to see his name on that list yeah. uh, just because he is first line uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, Winnipeg. Sorry. Uh, did have a four game slump there, but the shot totals, you know, with one exception, we're always at two or three. Uh, and now this last week, he scored a goal against San Jose, uh, picked up an assist against Arizona. So his game's starting to come back. So a little surprised that we saw kind of a quick trigger there uh, for Velarde owners out there. Uh, but overall, I think he should stay on your list of people. Um, that's about it for kind of highlights at, at this list. A lot of the other people on the most drop list are injury related. You know, Philip Gustafson, William Carlson, Charlie Lindgren. Uh, you know, obviously when a guy gets hurt, you're dropping him. <laughs> Especially in, in formats where, you know, Paul, you and I, we don't have, neither of our leagues has an IR spot where you can just stash a guy away. So you see those drops happen. So Thanks. those were kind of the two big non-injury related ones uh, that I noticed on this list. Yeah, I might add Troy Terry to that list, AJ. I mean, his ownership is right around the 45, 46%, and it dropped last week. I'm not sure why, if you were on that, uh, on him, that you would drop him at this stage. He's got first line situation in Anaheim, and now they got the Trevor Zegas back in tow. So their power play should be a lot better than it's been. And Terry is the trigger man there. So if you uh, dropped him, you want him to take a, a look at that situation because it's going to be better than it was for Terry going forward, I think. And he, he is back in the lineup now and was producing offensively and uh, looks like he should continue uh, now that he's back in good health. AJ, we have a 10 game slate on the NHL tonight. And, uh, I wonder how what strategy you use to put together. I'm curious to see if you leaned on any particular team or stacked something, the uh, goalie situation, what prompted your pick there. And I will counter with mine on FanDuel. You're looking at the DraftKings price list. Yeah, so for me, uh, a heavy, heavy Winnipeg lean uh, tonight. And then I also did something a little bit different than I have uh, normally. I try and spread out the funds, um, but I had some guys I really wanted to use tonight. So I spent up pretty big in some spots. And so there's admittedly some punts on this list, uh, guys that I'm just kind of hoping uh, there's something something there. Uh, so we'll start with, uh, you know, at the top, we've got uh, Leon Dreisaitl. Edmonton's playing Chicago. I mentioned the laundry list of Chicago injuries there. Um, and so 7700 to get Leon Dreisaitl. I thought about getting McDavid, but the price tag's just so different. Uh, between these two that I went with dry side off. My first punt on this list is uh, Blake Lazat uh, for uh, the LA Kings. 2,500 is his price tag. He's on a fourth line roll uh, with the Kings. Not a great matchup going up against Tampa, um, but his shots over the last few games have been okay. Uh, 16 shots over eight games played. So two shots per game, 2,500 is the price tag. Uh, if he gets a couple shots, he's he's probably worth it. Maybe stumbles into an assist or something there. Uh, the other uh, spot where I really spent most of my budget here was uh, at the winger. And this is where I start my my Winnipeg stack tonight. I'm using both Gabe Velarde at 6,000 and Nikolai Ehlers at 6,700. That's the first and second or first line wingers playing along with Shifley. They're at home playing against Columbus. I mean, I don't know how you don't maximize your owner's share of, of some of those guys here. So I uh, spent up a little bit more to get both those guys. And then I spent up even more to get uh wealthy, wealthy man, Willie Nylander, 8,700 is the price tag for him. Toronto at home against the Sharks. Uh, so again, 
Hard to avoid some of these guys tonight. Uh, you know, you could easily make an argument to go more Toronto stack than Winnipeg. I think you're going to pay more. That That's part of the problem here. You know, Matthews, Tavares, Marner are all going to cost um, significantly more. Defensively, I went uh, I went back initially for Winnipeg with uh, Neil Pionk. He's on the second power play unit there, not on the first, but still sees some time there. Uh, decent numbers, 4000 the price tag for him. Uh, my next punt comes in uh, in terms of my other defensemen. I went with Justin Schultz for uh, Seattle. It's an okay matchup playing against Buffalo. 2800 is the price tag, so really cheap here. He gets uh, power play opportunities. He's got one point in his last uh, last three games. So again, uh, if you know some shots from being on the power play, maybe if he does pick up an assist, it'll be a power play assist, little bonus. So they're they're punts, but they're educated punts. We'll put it that way. <laughs> uh, my utility spot actually sticks with Seattle tonight. I was not planning to use multiple uh, members of the Kraken, but again, I do like the matchup with Buffalo, and that's Thomas Tatar. It comes in at just thirty one hundred here. Uh, playing first line minutes in Seattle has three goals in his last seven games, two assists to go with that. Not a big power play guy for them, but again, 3,100 for a guy that's got goals roughly every other game uh, is, is a good opportunity with a good matchup here. And then I spent big in the nets. I went with uh, Connor Hellybuck tonight uh, comes in. I could bump up if I really wanted to based on price tag. I could go all the way to the top of the board and go Martin Jones at 8,500. Um, obviously a good matchup there, but if I'm paying at the top of the board for a goaltender playing at home with a good matchup, I just trust Hallibuck more than Martin Jones. Uh, and so I'm going to go with Hallibuck 8,300 there. So that's how I broke down this lineup. It's a heavy Winnipeg group, uh, but you know something to, uh, to consider. AJ, I... Don't compare notes with you on when we prepare this situation of the DFS lineups put together. But I, I agree with you on the Winnipeg call. There are a couple other lopsided matchups you touched on Edmonton. I have a couple of, uh, well, I have the Edmonton influence in my lineup at one point. And uh, I also think the Bruins are looking for a rebound. So I leaned on them. But certainly Winnipeg is the team that I, I highlighted as well when I created my roster tonight. And I began it with uh, Shifley the leader of this club he's been on a tear with a point per game pace in his last 12 and the club is on an 8-0-2 run in their last 10 they haven't lost in regulation in that time and they've got a chance to extend that with what should be a pretty uh pretty nice matchup against columbus at home tonight he's a 7800 price tag i pair him with morgan geeky of the the bruins i'll i won't i'll refrain from saying reeling boston bruins but they're not at the top of their game yet this guy is at the top of their lineup playing first line minutes alongside uh, Pasternak on that top line. Seven points in his last eight games is uh, just the tip of the iceberg. The situation too good for him right now to avoid in a matchup against Arizona. Uh, Arizona's not the easy out that they've been in the past, but I just think the Bruins will be fired up to get back on the beam tonight, and uh, Geeky should be front uh, and center in that situation. Pardon the pun. Nikolai Ehlers is a guy that I put in my lineup as well. AJ, the one guy that I had in common with you, actually, I think if I look at it, uh, $7,200, the price tag for me. And uh, this is a guy who has 15 points in the last 12 games, the hottest shooter for the Jets. And he should be easy, easily looking to pad his totals tonight in that lopsided affair. The Bruins affair uh, show up uh, on my wing situation as well. Uh, Jake DeBrusque, $5,200 price tag for a guy who plays second 
line wing minutes. He's got eight points in his last seven games. So he makes the grade to give me my second winger uh, at the top of my lineup here. On the blue line, I was able to save a little bit of money, but I get a couple of guys that are in good circumstances. Gustav Forsling is a guy that I picked up in one of my season-long leagues. Uh, he's been on a nice run and in a good situation for Florida, a team that is really uh, coming, rising up in the standings right now and challenging the Bruins for first place in the Atlantic Division. Seven points in his last seven games, and you still only get him for 4700 bucks. I pair him well, uh, with Philip Kronick, in Vancouver, uh, the, the Canucks, one of the top teams in the Western Conference, and Kronick has been one of the reasons why uh, being a really good second scoring option from the back end of, next to Quinn Hughes. $5,700 is his price tag. I kind of spend up a little bit higher than I normally would for a D-man, but I think it's a good circumstance against an Islanders team that is depleted on the back end, missing their top defenseman, defensive defenseman in Pelican Pullock. He's got... Uh, Chronic has 32 points in 40 games played and is well positioned to pad those totals. I go back to Winnipeg for one more player, and that's Cole Perfetti. He's playing top six minutes, only costing $5,600 against that Jackets lineup. He's got four points in his last five games played, and he's well uh, well situated with some power play time expected as well tonight. So for that price tag, I jumped on him. And then my final offensive piece is Evan Rodriguez, a guy who a couple of years ago, AJ was a fourth line winger in this league, but he has uh, turned things around and, and improved his fortunes to the point where now he's a viable offensive option playing first line minutes with Florida, $5,700 the price tag for that lofty assignment. He's got five points in his last six games. And I too looked for the high win probability, AJ. You mentioned that the Chicago team is wrecked by a ton of injuries and i think stewart skinner's in line for what should be an easy win and he he was sub eight thousand dollars i got him for 7900 bucks so that helped me round up my squad and make it fit mathematically so uh, that's the way i my thing shook down and uh aj before we leave uh, this episode i want to talk about we've touched on this theme all season long, but it's going to come to a head in the next few weeks with the trade deadline and teams that want to take a real run at things in the playoffs, they're going to need some goalie help. And we touched on the fact that Montreal certainly has the three goalies in mix. And I have to think they're going to be dealing one. It's likely going to be Jake Allen. You touched on that, but I went through a lot of all the teams this past week. And I thought, who is the guy that really could help teams fortunes and is more likely to be moved if he really wants to take a run at another cup. And I landed on your favorite guy, Marc-Andre Fleury, who this week passed a tied Patrick Waugh for career wins to be number two on that list. He'll be retire as the number two uh, alone because he's going to pick up a few more down the road. But I wonder if they're going to be in a Minnesota uniform. I think that he is the best goalie out there that is likely to change the fortunes of a team looking for an upgrade in the Nets. I don't know if you can find another one, but what do you think about the possibility of uh, MAF being moved? I mean, I think it, uh, to your point, Paul, it, it, it makes a lot of sense uh, in, you know, the, the fact that uh, his salary, his cap hits just 3.5 million. That's not outrageous. Minnesota could even offer to retain a portion of it. Um, the tricky part is Flurry has a full no movement clause on that deal. So um, he would have to agree uh, to head somewhere. And so I think uh, that is an important consideration there. Does he want to go somewhere else or is he happy in Minnesota? By all accounts, uh, he does seem to enjoy it in Minnesota. Uh, so it's it's a consideration, obviously. But I think 
for me, I, I think Jake Allen probably just the most the most likely to be moved. Um, you know, I, I don't see him wanting to stay as one of three netminders. Um, Flurry obviously right now is you know he's playing um, you know he's playing more because of the injury, um, but even before the injury was playing plenty. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think it makes sense on, on paper, but whether or not he will sanction a move, I think remains to be seen. Well, I, I think if he takes a hard look at it and says, I really want a chance to win, there are two glaring options that, that where he could be a significant upgrade. And I'm thinking of Edmonton over Skinner and whoever in that circumstance, they really need to solidify their goals ending. And then Toronto is relying on a guy right now who uh, was picked up off the scrap heap. He might say this off season for less than a million bucks in, and uh, Martin Jones is playing well. Joseph Wall is kind of an unknown quantity, even though he had a good start to his season. Uh, he's been injured and will remain on the shelf for another three weeks or so. Flurry would be a massive upgrade in both of those circumstances for teams that are thought to be among the most serious contenders. I mean, we're talking about an Edmonton club that's not really solidified a playoff spot, but they're certainly closing in fast on that. But the Leafs are comfortably in in, in that situation. And uh, they're two teams that I really identified as uh, should be shoppers if Marc-Andre Fleury does decide that he'd like to take a, another cup run. And uh, uh, those are two significant choices that would turn my head were I in his position. So those are my two cents. Uh, I think we got. A, I'm looking out the window, AJ, and I got some work to do in my uh, my driveway. <laughs> so we'll shut this thing down now for another week. But we thank you for listening to RotoWire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to assist you with all things related to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on on Twitter or X, where you can also follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJ Scholes24. We wish you a good week. Look forward to having you back with us. As always, please consider any comments or questions come our way, uh, particularly with trade opportunities that you want to talk about. We'll look forward to dealing with them as we usually have in the past. Wish you a good week. So long, everybody.